What's up, everybody? And on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, we discuss the NFL and the rookie QBs that were drafted in the first round and the third rounds and how veteran QBs are responding or lack of responding to their fellow teammates. We talk about Robinson Cano and his uh, 80-game suspension for QBs. And we talk about the NBA playoffs and what we really want to see. So tune in. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. This is Adrian, Big A, Cat Daddy, welcoming you to another Tuesday evening. Uh, what's up, fellas? I got my man Earl. I got my man Al. What's good with y'all? How's the weekend? What's going on in your worlds? Right now, thunderstorm in the back background, but all is well. Same here. It's thundering, but, you know, it is what it is, so I'm ready to get started. Yeah, same here. We just that big thunderstorm kind of just passed over here in Maryland. So hopefully nothing too crazy happened up your way. But anyway, as we all know, there's a bunch of things going on in the world of sports. We're going to table NBA right now. Uh, touch on some of the more lighter, more comical things that are going on, such as what's going on in the NFL with these uh, veteran QBs and their. I don't know, their selfish ways, not wanting to be uh, welcoming to the rookie QBs that just got drafted. So, uh, you know, Ben Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph uh, was pissed that the Steelers drafted Mason Rudolph on here down in Baltimore. Uh, Lamar Jackson reached out to um, Flacco and uh, via text, and Flacco has not responded to his text messages. Uh, so tell me, you know, I guess these guys are starting to feel a little bit of pressure. Not so much Ben, but definitely Flacco because he's just been kind of having a, a subpar type of uh, career since he signed that big contract. But how do you guys feel about these quarterbacks, you know, not really being too chummy with the guys that are supposedly possibly going to eventually replace them moving forward somewhere down the line? Well, in my opinion, both of these QBs uh, <laughs> are on – the back nine of their career. So, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's a business. <laughs> I think Ben Roethlisberger and Flacco forgot that it's a business and the GMs and the owners have a responsibility to the team as, as a whole, not to just them. So um, if, um, I mean, salty grapes, man. I mean, they throw a lot of shade on some cats. I mean, it's not their fault. Mason Roof, Mason Rudolph didn't ask to be, you know, picked. Um, you know, by the Steelers, nor did Lamar Jackson actually pick by the Ravens. So, I mean, don't get mad at them. You want to get mad at anybody, get mad at the GMs or get mad at the um, um, the coaches. Cause they're the ones that agreed upon it, but don't get mad at those guys for, you know, picking QBs. So it's on them. Nah, I completely agree. Um, <laughs> to be honest, <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me. It's more like sour grapes. Um, quarterbacks right now, for whatever reason, feel as though that they, the starting QBs feel as though that they feel threatened um, with these young quarterbacks coming up. And to be honest, you know, it almost feels like they're kind of selfish in the way where they're not actually 
um, adhering to making the team better. You know, let's say, for example, if they get injured, they're going to leave their, their, you know, backup QB on an island by itself, by themselves. Um, I think that they, in a nutshell, I understand that it's a business, but, in the, you know, let's just be honest. Like, it seems as though, like, you just don't want to be bothered because you're afraid that someone is going to actually beat you for your spot down the road. may not be now, but it may be somewhere down the road. So, if I mean, it's it's one thing to say, hey, look, you know, I'll help you out as little, you know, you should learn the ropes yourself and help out as little as you can. But to completely ignore, the, you know, a person that's on your team, it sends a bad message for a team perspective all around. And it says more about the quarterback itself. So I think that's something that, I think that's something that they're just, for whatever reason, I don't know the actual thing behind it, but I think quarterbacks nowadays need to just suck it up. And if the person is on your team now, you know, you need to do whatever it can to help their teammates out, no matter who it is, no matter if it's the person that's behind you as a backup. Well, I think personally how Kansas City handled Alex Smith when they drafted Patrick Mahomes, and even though Alex Smith had a pretty darn good season last season, pretty good, you know, pretty good year last season. I think he threw over a career high over four thousand yards. They still up and traded him just like that. And in Flacco's case, I could see where he he may have a little bit of insecurities just because he hasn't played that well. And what's even more interesting than here in the Baltimore area that you know we we have to remember that Baltimore signed RG three to be the backup. So, you know, here in Baltimore, it's like Flacco, Lamar Jackson. And it's like RG3 is just sitting there like, uh, you know, uh, hey, guys. Uh, you know, if Flacco goes down, I can't see Baltimore putting in Lamar Jackson without giving RG3 the opportunity to play, personally. Well, then again, you got to understand, like, this it was a similar situation with the Giants, so to speak. With Eli and Geno Smith was supposed to be the second, you know, person. And when they wanted to put, they wanted, you know, people wanted to, the ownership wanted to put the third string quarterback in, you know, to at least give some run. You know, they end up putting up Geno to be the back, the the starter when they sat down Eli. So, do you really think that Baltimore would really overstep RG three after they just signed them to see what you know, just you know, if case. Flacco is not playing well, or if they wanted to, you know, you know, try something else in the quarterback position, do you really think they'll put Jackson in ahead of RG3? Uh, I think it all depends on the record. In the Giants' case last year, the Giants weren't going anywhere. I could see why they wanted to put in, uh, what is it, Davis Webb? They wanted to put Webb in uh, instead of Geno. But – you know, the coach at the time was like, well, Geno's still a young QB. Let me see what he's got going on before we just go ahead and decide to put the rookie in. Obviously, Geno was just a little stopgap for uh, for Davis Webb. Uh, well, really, he wasn't no stopgap because, I mean, Geno ain't – I mean, Eli isn't going anywhere, so who knows when Davis Webb will get his opportunity. But um, here in Baltimore, in this particular scenario, I would have to think that you – know, I would say, let's say Baltimore starts on six and three and Flacco goes down with the injury. I could see them putting RG3 in before 
Lamar Jackson just for the possibility of trying to continue with the playoff push, considering he has playoff experience. Now, if they started off three and six, three and seven, the playoffs are slim. Why not give Lamar Jackson the reins? What's the worst that could happen? If he gets hurt, at least he's still got RG3 to back him up. So that's if even they keep three quarterbacks. What do you, what do you think about that, I like it. it all depends on, you know, who looks good in training camp and who they designate as the number two and the number three. In the Giants case, they hadn't even activated, you know, the cat that they drafted. So even if they, they couldn't even insert them in the game, even if they really wanted to, they had to put Geno in for a few games just to get the kid, you know, up, up and rest before they can even throw him to the wolves. So, like I said, it depends on, A, how Lamar Jackson looks in training camp, and, B, if they designate him as the number two or number three because they signed him, but they didn't say, you're going to be number two quarterback, Lamar, you're going to be number three. I mean, it all depends on the training camp who gets listed as the second or third QB. But, obviously, they drafted Lamar Jackson for the inevitability that one day he would have, I guess would be technically the heir apparent, you know, but, mm-hmm. but like I said, it happens all the time. I mean, the one QB who, who I can understand to be dismissive of any QB is probably Brett Favre and he didn't get a QB draft in the pig. I mean, look how, uh, <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I'm Aaron Rodgers. Look how Brett Favre treated Aaron Rodgers when they drafted him. He gave him no love and wouldn't want to leave. They basically had to tell him to get out and don't come so they can bring in Aaron Rodgers. So, I think from an organizational standpoint, you want that continuity where you go from one Hall of Fame QB to another, you know, potential Hall of Fame QB. Same thing in San Francisco. They went from Montana right to Steve Young. So you always want to have that continuity that you don't skip a beat. Belichick wanted to do that up in New England. He had his, you know, heir apparent and Jimmy G. The owner didn't like, you know, the owner, you know, I guess it has to uh, Tom Brady's wishes, (laughs) allegedly. Jimmy G gets traded to the 49ers, and now the Patriots don't have any real <laughs> backup QB, per se, that they can feel comfortable, you know, giving the reins if Tom Brady gets his knee whacked in the first game of the first season, or better yet, gets his knee whacked in the first, I mean, the third game of the um, preseason, and he's done for the rest of the season. So then they're scrambling to try to see, hey, who's out there, or try to get the next man up, and then your Super Bowl aspirations just go right down the fucking tube. So... I mean, I guess they can feel a, a little bit easy. I don't think Ben Roethlisberger has any threat of Mason Rudolph taking his position. Um, not really. They'll see that either with Joe Flacco, but come on, guys. I mean, if you play oh. again, if you play good, then you got, you got shit to worry about. Flacco's horrible. <laughs> they said the best his best season, he threw 27 touchdowns. And... 3,000 plus yards. That's his best season. And that he he never, you know, like quarterbacks have their little passing academy things that they do right before the preseason or whatever to get the acclimated with the receivers and stuff like that. They said Flacco doesn't do any of that. It's only this season that he decided to go ahead and reach out to the the wide receivers. They, 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 I hear they, they, the dog level is like 70, 30 dog. Like, they really just throw him under the bus like, no, they just can't wait to get to Lamar Jackson. So it's, it's – I'm no Ravens fan, but it's, it's interesting to hear the sports, the sports radio talk and how, they, how things kind of – how things are kind of rolling in this particular area, you know, so. 
but that's crazy because, like I said before, the, like you you would think that with everything that's going on, like the one thing that you have as far as quarterbacks is is the leadership, and you can't provide leadership if you don't want to lead or help out your own teammates. Like that's something that, like, how is it like if I'm looking at it as this, you know. If I'm like a wide receiver or whatever the case may be, and I'm looking and I'm looking at something like this, like that, you can't even help out our backup quarterback. God forbid something, like you said, something happens to you where you're injured, then what are you going to do? Like, teammates would say, man, like, we could have been well prepared for this if he would have gave the opportunity to help out with the backup. It probably would have been an easier, smooth transition in case of an injury. But since you didn't even do that, now we're stuck because we have to bring in some quarterback or this quarterback don't know the right plays or don't know the routines that, you know, I was working on with the first string quarterback. It causes all problems and all this dysfunction um, from at least from my, 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 at least from my eyes. I mean, my opinion, I think that would cause some dysfunction and some, some, there would be some, some problems within the team. I can see teammates being literally some teammates. I'm not saying all, but I can literally see some teammates having a problem with that if you're supposed to be the leader, but yet you don't want to help out all your teammates. Oh, that's how they're talking about, Joe. Yeah, Flacco's getting that type of uh, reception now that, you know, because Lamar Jackson, after their rookie minicamp this past weekend, came out and they asked him simple questions and Lamar was just being honest with, yeah, I reached out to him, but he hasn't responded back. Now, that's been all of the national talk for the past couple of days, you know, out here just saying that Joe needs to be more professional. Joe needs to do this. Joe needs to do that. But obviously, he feels the heat because Baltimore came back up into the first round to get a quarterback and get the quarterback that they really, truly coveted at, at the point of the draft where it made the best sense for them. So, Joe sees the writing. Now, the bigger question is, will the coordinator, offensive coordinator, um, Morningwig, will he now adapt the offense to be more friendly towards Jackson? Now, if that's the case, then that's a clear sign that Joe's, Joe has one foot out the door. What about, well, that would be funny, but um, what about Ben, though, and his issue with the quarterback? Yo, Ben... Easily. He's a big-ass big diva, man. He, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't know him. I mean, I mean, he has his own issues because, you know, at the end of the season, he wasn't sure whether he was going to come back next season to play. You know, sometimes he, he has issues with everybody. He's thrown he's thrown the coach, you know, under the bus multiple times, he's thrown the offensive coordinator under the bus multiple times. I mean, he hasn't gone as far as throwing the Roonies under the bus, but I mean, you don't want to bite the hand that signs your checks. <laughs> but um, he's thrown offensive coordinator, she's thrown the coach, she's thrown you know QB coaches under the bus for his deficiencies, and he's not playing a team game. And I mean, like I said, I mean, it's on the one hand I can see where they have no real incentive of of trying to be all chummy chummy with somebody that you draft because their perspective is like if you're looking to put me out the door a la Alex Smith, who had a, a damn near, you know, a great season. No reason 
to put them out to you know you know put them out the pasture per se. I guess you can look at the same thing and say, look, I can go all the way to the playoffs, lose in the first or second round, play great, and I and, and I get the boot for Mason Rule. However, when it came to City drafted Patrick Mahomes, they drafted him with the express in, you know, knowing that he was going to be the new cat going forward. It was never, in my opinion, 100% sold on Alex Smith, at least the, the, the new coach in the, um, in the OC. I mean, not the coach, I mean the offensive coordinator wasn't, in my opinion, totally sold on Alex Smith. Man, but Alex Smith caught the tail end of some bad defensive performances in the, in the playoffs over the course of those years just because he was putting up points, but the defense couldn't couldn't uh, sustain leads. But, of course, you know, it's – it's either the quarterback or the defense that's going to take the blame. And in this case, Smith, you know, he was the one that fell on the sport. Now, interesting that they drafted Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City really jumped up to get him. I think they jumped up to 10 to make sure that they got who they covered. So obviously they went that high. They knew what they were, you know, what their the plan was. And I think he's going to do well. Flip side to Ben, like you said, he, you know, he's, very wishy-washy at times. I think it was last season where he was contemplating that was his last season. Then he comes out this year and says, you know, I want to play another four or five more years. I'm like, dude, so you're just saying that so they won't draft a quarterback and you're going to just leave the Steelers stuck if you decide one day to say, you know what, I'm taking my ball and I'm going home. <laughs> but, he, but I mean, go ahead. You know, I'm just saying, but he has it good as far as the best running back in the game. He got the best wide receiver in the game. His O line, his O line is solid, uh, and he has arguably, probably top five receiving core. And you see, they just traded uh, uh, Brian, I think it was, or whomever it was, uh, the one that keeps getting suspended to the Raiders because he, he uh, they got Juju Smith Schuster, they got uh, Martavis Bryant. Yeah, Martavis Bryant. That's the one they traded. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they're, they're loaded. You know, they got they got the, the stud tight end. Shoot, Ben – and you know Ben can absorb hits. Plays hurt. So, I mean, Ben just need to shut up, teach the boy how, you know, things are going to go. Say, look, I'll be honest with you, as long as I stay healthy, you ain't playing for the next three years. Keep it 100. <laughs> Maybe I can, you know, run up the points and I give you some garbage time coming, <laughs> coming in play. But outside of that, you know, hey, enjoy the ride. Enjoy that first round – First round money and, and sit in the pine. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, third round money. <laughs> Collect that check. <laughs> but you know what? Now, because if I'm any of the rookies and I see stuff like this, like the first thing that's going to my mind is off the bat, you know, if you don't want to give me help, that's fine. I'm just going to have to come for your title or your role. And mm-hmm. I could see people put, like the rookies playing with a big chip on their shoulder. If the quarterback that I'm supposed to be under is not going to help me, then the first thing I'm going to do is go after and take that quarterback's job. Do whatever I need to do, whatever I need to, like, whoever I need to work with, whatever it's offensive coordinator, I'll be the best person knowing everybody in, on the team. Get to know them, get to know the first string real hard. I'll do whatever it takes because if, that's, if a rookie is saying, that, like, yo, if you're not going to help me, then – why should I be catered to what you're doing as a first-string quarterback? I might as well just come in and be the future and take over what I can now. I mean, at least – I mean, I, I could see the competitiveness um, more so. 
Um, and I definitely chip on their shoulder because if the if their own quarter if their own quarterback or own teammate won't help in that aspect of it, it's just going to make them work harder. Hopefully it does. I mean, you know, not everybody is, uh, I guess, uh, quote, unquote, a company man like Eli. I mean, they drafted two QBs in two seasons. I mean, two, one in the third and one in the fourth round, which is a very interesting pick out of Richmond, I, I might say. So, I mean, he's he's, geez, he's been um, pretty good with both of them. I mean, I guess he knows his, his time is up. I mean, he's did bit for king and country, so he's he's a little more receptive to it. I mean – Come on. I mean, Ben, I mean, you do have some cachet. You do have uh, two Super Bowls, you know, you know, that you put in there for the um, Rooney. So they're not going to just cut you, you know, right after the end of the season. They'll give you a little bit of a little bit of lead away. But for Flacco, <laughs> he, 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 he does not have that lead way. And if he plays bad, I agree with Ace. They, but he does have a championship ring, right? Who's that? Flacco? Yeah. Yeah. And, that's the, and that's debatable whether or not he did that. A great defense where he actually won that. Me, he was a recipient of a great defense to help him win that. Win that that is true. <laughs> that is true. He, he got two. Yeah, he do got two, as a matter of fact, I believe. One. No, Ravens. I think he has two. Ravens only got two championships, one with Ben and the other one with – um. Gilford? Oh, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Absolutely right. Trent Dilfer. Yeah. Oh, what? Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Wait a minute. Nope. Now we gotta do some research. You gotta do some research. He only won one, not two. So who was the quarterback when um, Bolden was uh was the was the receiver at, uh, with the Ravens? That was uh that was uh Ray Lewis's last year when Bolden was on the team. Antoine Bolden on the team? Uh, yeah. It was Flacco. Flacco was the one that won on that last one. Nope, it was twice. That's what I thought. He did win two. Who, Flacco? Yep. He didn't win two. He defeated the San Francisco. Wait a minute. I'm going back to it right now. No, it was it was once. It was once? It Ravens went twice, but he only won with them the second time. Hmm. Hmm, that's right. Yeah, it was only once. Yeah, Ray Lewis has two. Right. So I guess the one with Bolden on the squad was Ray Lewis's last last game. No, Bolden 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 may not have been on the team that year. That'll give me a lot. But either way, um, he was the Super Bowl MVP, and I heard from my understanding, he had a hell of a playoff run where he threw for like eight TDs and no picks throughout the entire playoffs leading up to the Super Bowl. So, and I he, guess that's what he had that one hot season, and that gave him the uh, the, the monster contract after that. And then uh, he hasn't really done dilly squat since. Exactly, and that's what people are pissed <laughs> off about. <laughs> so again, it will be interesting to see how. Uh, things unfold and I'm curious to see if RG3 even makes it to preseason again because obviously he's like the forgotten forgotten QB on, on the roster. Uh, but the signing of RG3 and the signing of Lamar and the drafting of Lamar Jackson is very interesting to see where Morningwig's mind is and 
the possibility of Joe being gone next season. And it may not be a bad thing because he's still an adequate quarterback, and I'm sure some team, probably the Jets, would still need a quarterback. Um, <laughs> I can't believe them fools drafted another USC quarterback. US, there hasn't been a good U, USC quarterback in, in years, and I'm talking what? Oh, uh, Carson Palmer. That's, that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, and how long ago was Carson Palmer? Well, I mean, he just retired last year. <laughs> how long ago he got, he got drafted? Oh, like yeah. 10 plus years ago. <laughs> 10 plus years, right, right, right. And scrubs ever since then. Well, I mean, well, I guess we'll have to see. Uh, you know, as, as OTAs and minicamp start to roll out, we'll find out and get some more information. But uh, switching gears to baseball, where teams are now experiencing uh, injuries and, and things of this nature, a surprising, stunning uh, situation happens today in Seattle where Robinson Cano, former Yankee and now second baseman for the Seattle Mariners, got suspended for 80 games uh, for uh, a banned substance, which Cano came out and wrote a letter, an open letter to, to the public to say he took a banned, a banned uh, pill or substance that's not a, a PED, but something that's treatable, um, some sort of drug that's treatable through, through however, which if he went through and got uh, specific uh, waivers, he could have used and not get caught. But he said he was in the Dominican Republic and he took the drug unknowingly, no, unknowingly or not really checking to see if it was part of the, the banned substance list and he got popped. And of course he comes out and says, you know, he's been playing professional baseball for 15 years and he never, you know, never cheated the game. And he's, he's not the type of person that takes PEDs, but the, the, the more, the, the, the interesting plot twist of this is that, of course, he's on the disabled list because he got injured. I think he broke his hand. He broke his wrist. And he will be able to apply the suspension towards him being on the disabled list. But he's going to lose about $12 million for missing those 80 games. And, you know, when the whole steroid thing popped up in baseball, baseball became real diligent about how they're going to suspend their players. And, you know, the first, first time offense is 80 games. Second time offense is a full season. Third time offense, you're banned from baseball. So my thing is, if you know that you are an all-star, you know that you are one of the better players on your team making some serious cash, why risk it? Why put yourself out there and possibly take something that you may or may, that you may or may not know that can – possibly suspend you and then put a huge dent in your wallet just because, you know, of whatever. And that's the crazy part. So, of course, now everybody's talking about uh, how honest is he, how truthful is he. Uh, it's just a shame. <laughs> no, I agree with that. It is a shame. Um, at, this, some, at this point, you have to be at a, a point where you got to know that anything that you take has to be sometimes like somehow it has to be approved by the major league by MLB. 
Like, the fact that the matter is that you cannot say that you don't know about whatever substance that you take and use that you don't know as an excuse anymore. Like, you're at a position now where anything that you know that you're going to take or you think that you're going to take, you should automatically get that checked out to make sure that it's okay with the MLB. Like, I don't get to the – you can't get to a point now of saying that you don't know. You don't know is a cop-out. And if you don't know, if you didn't know, you should have been more responsible to know that – to have that taken care of or at least checked out before you took it. Like, you can't say you don't know anymore. And to be honest, it's kind of – it's – it's no excuse. That's what the bottom line is. It's no excuse. You should have known. If you don't know, you should at least get approval before even taking it. Why take it in the first place if you don't know whether or not it's going to be a banned um, substance or not? Like, at this point, it's your responsibility. And you just wasn't responsible enough to do the things that you were supposed to do and check out, check with the MLB League before you took it. That's really what the bottom line is. You can't you can't say that you didn't know. You still your responsibility. And to be honest, whatever punishment that you get is your responsibility to serve. And um, even if they don't, you know, because I I think that he's now ineligible to even play in the All Star game now um, with this punishment. So all this stuff you have to take ownership on. You can't blame no one else but yourself. Bottom line. Okay. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Al. I mean, obviously, I mean, you have a team, you have team doctors, trainers, people in the facility, you know, of your team. I mean, yeah, you were down in the Dominican Republic doing rehab instead of being near the team, which is even still, in my opinion, more questionable, but, you know, neither here nor there. But um, you have team doctors in the facility. If you're taking something, just pass it to the team doctors, you know, whatever, like, hey, you know, I want to take this stuff. Can you just run it by and make sure that it's good? If they, I'm pretty sure they could tell you or get the information back to you saying, hey, this is good. Hey, it's not good. Like you said, not knowing is not, not a good excuse anymore. We're not trying to say he was basically on purposely taking anything like the clear or the cream or anything performance enhancing drugs, but you're taking substances that fall into that realm, which could be considered PEDs. Like I said, maybe you weren't taking it for the specific purposes of like a steroid but still that's substances fall into that realm so you have you have team doctors you have team trainers just pass your stuff to those guys to be like hey check this out is this good or is this not good and trust me they don't want the team doesn't want to lose you for 80 games they want to let you know whether it's good or not so all all this stuff is there's you you can find out I agree. I agree. I mean, simple. I've, and I believe each team gives players a list of drugs. I mean, now, you know, everything's digital. So I'm sure the teams get the players iPads. They give them whatever it is that they need where they can store all their documents and, you know, everything where they can get to it quickly. Um, so there's no excuse, just like you said. So unfortunately, you know, he's going to be uh, costing himself $12 million. And, I mean, that's just a drop in a bucket considering how much he, he probably already earned over the course of his career. But $12 million or $12, you know, nobody wants to sit there and purposely just give up 
that money just because, you know, oh, yeah, I screwed up, so here, take this. So I'm sure this is a mistake he's going to have to live with. And now, on top of that, they were saying that potentially he was on on pace for, like, a Hall of Fame type of career. I, I can't say that he – well, as a Yankees fan, being a – he did play for the Yankees. And he gave you guys some good years, too. Did, yes, he did. And when he decided to take his talents to Seattle, I can't say I followed him like I might have followed him if he were still on the Yankees to really know his statistics. Uh, when he was with the Yankees, he, he was a great second baseman, you know. Um, but he wanted to be the king of his own ship. So I'm sure he still put up some great numbers over Seattle. But is he Hall of Fame worthy? He might have been on the cusp. He might have been in the conversation. Now the bigger question is, with this type of ban or, you know, you getting kicked out for 80 games, do you guys believe that this is something that should hurt a player's potential Hall of Fame bid? Because, I mean, you think about in football, football players can get popped for four games and they can still go on to have Hall of Fame careers and it won't stop them from being, you know, inducted and in, in, in striving into the Hall of Fame. It just depends on the matter of when they get in. I don't see why this should be any different. I don't know. I guess it really depends on, you know, the people who are voting. And right now, I guess they're taking a stance if no one is getting in, you know, even if they were remotely sniffed about being, you know, a part of PEDs. Some people are never going to get in. I don't think Barry Bonds is going to get in. I don't think that um, um, uh, from St. Louis, I can't think of his name off the top of my head. Um, Marlon McGuire. I don't think he's getting in. I don't think Sam Resources is getting in. I don't. Rod Darn sure is not getting in because he done pissed everybody off. But um, but um, I don't know. I don't know. These writers right now, you know, are so you know, you know, pins up their asses about this stuff. I mean, some people took stuff with the explicit purposes of getting better quicker not to gain any kind of statistical advantage over other people. Other people took stuff clearly to have a performance advantage. Some people just for medical stuff to get better quicker. So there's a way you can kind of, you know, make that distinction. That's one thing. But as of right now, I think they're saying if anybody has been, you know, charged or convicted or had anything, they're not letting anybody in. And like you said, Cano's on the cusp. So this could be a good reason for them why they won't even – bother putting them in yeah I agree with you on that I think that at this point it's bottom line is is that the people that are voting them in if they feel strongly about it about PEDs as a whole and they, like you said if they haven't um if they haven't voted for the other people who did far much more worse um I just don't see them I don't see them they may have some reservations. I I don't see them actually voting Robinson Cano in. I really don't. Um, not saying that, you know, he won't get in. I'm just saying I can see some of the people that have reservations won't vote him in at all um, because they're stick to their guns. Um, whether he deserves it, eh, it remains to be seen um, because he still have a lot of, of playing to do um, after the suspension, of course. So we'll see how that plays out um, at the end of his his career, I think then we can reevaluate and see whether or not, you know, if he does make it or if he doesn't make it. 
And on a side note, you can have this for another another talk show. Um, the people who vote for the, you know, the Hall of Fame, whether it's baseball, football, or basketball, especially baseball, why is it that guys that ain't play a lick of freaking baseball, these rioters, hold hold these guys who play baseball their entire lives of getting into the um, the Hall of Fame, especially the NFL, because these rioters, they get pissed at a particular player. They hold that against a person every time they come up to the ballot. All the players will choose a person based on the talent, what they brought to the field. These writers, they don't know what it is to be in the locker rooms and play. They just write about it, but they're bringing their own personal issues in it. But I always had a problem with it should be the people who play that game and are involved in that game voting people in as opposed to some writers who write about it that hasn't played a lick or maybe played some time in high school. But it should be peers or people like, you know, coaches and trainers stuff like that. Those guys should be the ones voting people into the Hall of Fame, whether it's basketball, football, or baseball or not. Not these fucking writers. I, I can't – I mean, I, I, I agree with you on that um, aspect of it, but I just don't see – I see football players more so turning into some sort of like fraternity where people, players that may or may not be deservingly so um, Hall of Fame worthy would get still get in. But I agree with you about the tra- like the coaches. I think they, I think them alone should, or at least they should be in the mix of, of giving the okay, you know, the votes of whether or not that player should go in the Hall of Fame. Because I agree with you. It should definitely be in-house at least um writers who haven't played football or don't know anything that much about football or or think they know that much about football i should say um for whatever reason i just don't see their votes being validated enough from like a football player standpoint so it's a lot of personal gripes and beefs that get they get brought into the room when it comes time for voting but i don't want to Bear too much off the <laughs> beat well, well uh quickly um we're talking about hall of fame and just baseball and cano's legacy um in the whole steroid era my whole gripe about major league baseball and the hall of fame and the steroid era is two things one those players who took PEDs, whatever they were taking, clear, cream, shots, whatever they were taking, prior to MLB having something in their uh, contracts or in the, uh, the bylaws to stipulate that they can't take it, um, I feel as though, why are they being penalized? Um, it's my understanding that baseball in the 50s, 60, 40s, 50s, and 60s were taking things like speed and other types of drugs to help them get through the rigors of the uh, of the baseball seasons, um, so what they were doing during that steroid era is no different than what the previous era was doing to help maintain and do what they needed to do to continue to play the rigors of a 162 game season. Um, so for riders to sit there and take these things personal is kind of hypocritical because then you need to put asterisks towards all those other players from back in the day who supposedly, but there's, it's no, it's hearsay. You know, there's stories, there's myths, there's legends, there's whatever, you know, you have in the steroid area, you have a snitch in Jose Canseco who sat there and pen, you know, coin pen the paper 
and listed out players, and then they had to go to Congress. But I'm not here to talk about all that. Bottom line is, <laughs> I'm kind of, I love baseball, and I'm kind of passionate about this whole steroid thing. So the bottom line is, the writers who vote in for players in the Hall of Fame, like Earl said, they hold those personal vendettas. And baseball is probably the only sport where numbers, statistics matter. You know, like streaks, different different numbers. You know, uh, the mathematics of it all. The uh, I forget what they call it. Um, uh, the analytics. Yeah, all those, yeah, all those things matter in baseball. Unlike football, unlike basketball, and you know, a lot of these people are purists, and they feel as though because of this is the reason why things are skewed. But. I'm uh. not I would say analytics are are being used more so in basketball now, especially to explain arguments about who's greater and who's not. But oh, that's a that's a that's a three part series. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean uh, Moneyball, Oakland. You know how they did all these all these things using analytics to determine how X Y Z. I think baseball is a little bit ahead of its time in that scenario, and I think other sports are now starting to catch on to that. But. Uh, I don't personally. I don't think Robinson Cano, if he's eligible to be Hall of Fame, is but having a Hall of Fame worthy type of career. I don't think a blemish like this should tarnish him. A Rod, different story. <laughs> you know, Bonds has never been truly proven, <laughs> but in baseball, you're guilty till you're proven innocent. So, you know, it, it sucks to be him. So, well, well, I hope that who was the last. Um... Uh, the the prior the prior uh, baseball commissioner who was um Sealy yeah Buck Sealy if anything I hope they don't put him in the Hall of Fame because he it was on his watch and if the hell if he didn't turn a blind eye to it but then try to act like he knew nothing about it come on everybody knew or at least had a a clear suspicion what was going on and after the whole baseball strike when um. Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa was knocking home runs all out the base, and you guys are now getting away from the whole big strike era, and you making all this money. They knew probably what was going on. Mm-hmm. Who wanted to rock the boat? Abrams making too much money off the deal. Nobody right. wanted to call foul. But yet, when everything comes down, it wasn't until he came out in Congress and you know a book came out. Then you know, oh well, then we're going to have to put all these you know rules and restrictions in and. This person can't get in, and then that person can't get in. But but silly, this happened on your watch, and you turned a blind eye because you were more concerned about getting baseball back as the national pastime after that messy strike, which helped out the players tremendously, instead of being quote unquote the steward of the game. So he, in my opinion, he got away from this whole mess scot free. I agree. I agree. I agree. I mean. I- I also I agree with you on that because if anything, he should be he should be the one that is like should be banned for some of the stuff that he's done um, or overlooked when it comes to the MLB um, for stuff that he's done. He, he he that's just without so many just real quick. He's just. You talk about being overlooked of all the things that's done in MLB, um, from where it was to where it is now, where you got people that were quote unquote, you know, with so many suspensions and so much 
of the, the, the PEDs and this whole thing. Like, between him and the NFL commissioner now, I think that they're in a race for probably one of the worst commissioners <laughs> in, in all-time history when it comes to sports. So, uh, Well, again, we can sit there and uh, – Hall of Fame debate, worst, worst, uh, worst commissioners, all of these things, <laughs> topics, you know, during the dog days of summer when, when all there is to talk about is baseball and minicamp and OTAs for football and WNBA, no diss, no, no, no shots being fired at WNBA. It's a, it's a lovely, lovely sport of uh, basketball. Um, but we all know, you know, it's limited with the type of things that are going on. So those are definitely some things that we will touch again in the very near future. But I know we're coming short on time, and I know we haven't touched on the elephant in the room, which is the NBA playoffs, and for, for good reason. Um, barring some epic collapse by, by Cleveland, I see the series going six. Um, and barring any type of Somebody getting drastically injured on Golden State side, I probably see that going five, maybe six. Um, to, so it brings us to what Al don't want to see is Cleveland Golden State round four. <laughs> Cleveland losing again to Golden State in the finals. Uh, my that's my prediction. Uh, I don't know if there's much more to really speak on for the playoffs, but feel free to speak your mind. Uh, uh, let me know what you guys think. <laughs> well, I mean, game two is going is going as predicted. <laughs> I mean, um, LeBron James came out. I was watching him hitting his first couple of threes. I mean, he's never been a he's never been a consistently great three point shooter. Even though the analytics, for some ever reason, makes him better than Kobe. I don't know what numbers they were pulling at, but. Uh, that's neither here nor there, but um, it's going as consistent as I as I think it is. The Golden State Houston game. I actually watched the game last night. Actually, the game actually did surprise me because this surprised to the fact that that Golden State won. It was the fact that you know you still had Harden with forty one. You still had you know you know Chris Paul, but it was a Chris Paul and Harden show. Everybody else was ghost. Trevor Reza had like five fouls by like beginning of the third quarter. So he was basically a non-factor for the second half of the game. Really a non-factor from since quarter number one when he got like three quick um, fouls. So, I mean, um, they played a lot of iso ball. All this is hard and, you know, you know, high, you know, high pick and roll, high screen, dribble, dribble, step back, shoots. I mean, you can shoot and J up Steph Curry all you want and take him to the rack. I mean, he's limited a little bit because the lateral movement is still in question. But if you can't – I mean, they can't stop Durant. And they darn sure wasn't even looking at Klay Thompson. And Klay Thompson is going to – if he has a monster series, it might end up – it might end five quick. I don't think it's going to end in five. I think it's probably going to go six or seven. I'm still – I still think Houston somehow pulls it out. I think they're going to win game two. I think Cleveland is going to win this series. I think this is going to go six. Um, but um, I'm, I'm a ride with it. I'm going to call it a Cleveland-Houston finals with Cleveland beating Houston because I think Cleveland can beat Houston, but they can't beat Golden State with as many weapons as they can because 
Houston will play right to them with the hero iso ball of Harden and Chris Paul. They can't stop Durant or Klay Thompson or Curry. If all them hot, if you think about it, Curry was playing pretty pedestrian last night. Klay Thompson had 28 points. Durant had 41. I mean, I'm pretty sure that, you know, Curry will probably get his game, but LeBron can't, quote-unquote, have a fill-out game, game one against Golden State, and then be that dismissive and think he's going to win the whole series. You have a fill-out game and get blown out by Golden State and go one, it's it's a wrap. So he can be as dismissive as the Boston as he wants to, but he can't be that dismissive <laughs> against Golden State. Houston, maybe a little bit a more even match for him. Um, I'm... <laughs> I don't you, know, you already know how I feel I don't want another Cleveland Golden State matchup so with that being said um, I'm going to start off with Golden State is going to I think Golden State is going to easily beat Houston they have a chip on their shoulder um, all this talk about Houston being the, you know, number one in the Western Conference and they get, they feel as though that you know People are talking about Houston really having a chance to beat them. I think that was their chip that they need. Steph Curry is not 100%. He's almost there, but he's not completely there. The person that they really need to – Houston really needs to watch out for is not Kevin Durant. It's Klay Thompson. Until they get – I mean, don't even look at Steph Curry at this point because he's not 100% there. Klay Thompson is the one that they need to be sticking D on on a regular basis because if they don't stick Klay Thompson – Steph Curry can have a pedestrian game like he did game one. Klay Thompson is going – if he has a monster game, no matter what, they're going to – like, it's going to be a five-game series. And I think Golden State is going to win that easily. But I think you're right. Chris Paul and, and Harton, they're going to get their points. The others need to step up. Trevor Ariza, they need to get some threes from Trevor Ariza. They need to get it from P.J. Tucker, Abadamute, Gerald Green. Um, and Ryan Anderson, for whatever reason, has been just a blur. Like, he hasn't even been in the playoffs um, this series. And they paid him $20 million for, you know, they, he has a big contract. So I don't understand why they're not utilizing him. Um, maybe there's, you know, something here or there. But they, their other – in order for Houston to be in this series, their other players have to step up. Cleveland and Boston – I know y'all guys are still picking Cleveland. I, for, I still have Boston. Um, for whatever reason, we all knew that LeBron was going to come out because of the game one defeat. So we knew that LeBron was going to come out in game two with a chip on his shoulder. That's all well and good. To be honest, they just have to weather this game out. Um, the real game will start is if Boston wins a game in Cleveland, game three or game four, or game four so to speak, they have a real good chance of beating Cleveland throughout the whole series, um, especially if they win game two and game four. If they get a 3-1 series lead against Cleveland, they're not going to be like Indiana. I think they will close out um, Cleveland and make it into the finals. Um, I'm not really betting on – it's not the fact that I'm betting against LeBron. It's more so I'm betting against his team. His team needs to step it up. That's really what the bottom line is. LeBron is going to get his numbers no matter what. If his team ain't getting – if Kyle Corver or Kevin Love is not getting their numbers or if they're offset by Al Horford and Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, 
it's not going to matter. I think Bolton is going to going to beat them hands down and make it into the finals. Yeah, I would feel I would feel much more confident about Boston if Kyrie was still playing at a high level and everybody else was playing at a high level. I mean, if Kyrie is playing at a high level, somebody's game out there on that floor was going to take a back seat whose game it was going to be. I don't know. But if you can have all the parts playing as well as you are and then have Kyrie in there, I would definitely give the edge to um, to Boston because I don't think Kyrie plus all the other guys playing at a high level, Cleveland couldn't beat. Yeah. Let me phrase that. LeBron couldn't beat that team by himself with Kyrie playing at a high level. This team, it's debatable. No, I agree with you as far as LeBron is concerned. It's just that I'm not – as much as you're confident in LeBron, you guys are confident in LeBron, I'm less confident in the rest of his team. That's what the bottom line is for me. Um, I think that they'll get – like one of the – outside of Kevin Love, I think another player uh, may get one game where they may step up and surprise. But I don't think them – I just don't see any consistency right now from the other teammates at this point. Will we get another J.R. Smith 20-point game? <laughs> He's good for one series. One series, yep. He's but good for one 20-point game in series that he's in. Wait, one 24, wait, one 20-point game a series. A series, yes. This one. Okay, a series. Got you. I got you. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he had a few in that Toronto series, but okay. <laughs> He was making up for what he didn't do in the uh, Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, point taken. Point taken. <laughs> All right, fellas, we're coming up on uh, our our end here, but um, it was another interesting uh, conversation that we had tonight. But let folks know where they can find you. Well, you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram. I am Al Qualls. Twitter and Instagram, I am Al Qualls. Shout out to the Phoenix Suns for winning the first pick in the um, NBA draft lottery as well. Mm, don't mean nothing to the draft. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at um, Twitter and the Gram, um, J.E. Ross 7 at. And you can find me on Twitter at CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963. So once again, we'd like to thank everybody for tuning in and giving us a listen. If you have any questions, concerns, requests, situations, suggestions, anything, you just want to know if the sky is blue, let us know. Reach out to us on our respective social medias. And we'll, we'll love just to respond back to you and uh, show you the love that you've given to us by asking us these great questions. So, once again, this is Guys Talking Sports. Uh, thank you, and have a great rest of the week. God bless. Ooh.